Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Silior, and this one is the Kajiti Merchant. And today we are going to be talking about Stendar, although we do have a little bit of news to get to beforehand. But first, Merchant, how are you doing? Oh, this one is doing quite well. Stendar has been quite prominent in this one's life. Oh yeah? What do you mean? Well, being a merchant, you get targeted by bandits and things like that, but this one has always made it through. Well, you know, there's something to be said about that. So, let's get to the news before we get into the lore. So, there's a couple of things going on in the next week. First off, there's a there's an update that's going on right now. It's still got a couple of hours to go as I'm recording this, so I'm looking forward to seeing everything that goes on with that but also this week they are going to be doing a live stream on the bethesda twitch channel and it is going to give us our first look at the blackwood zone so that's going to be pretty awesome that is april 1st from 3 p.m till whenever it ends but uh, that is going to be pretty awesome. I should mention that is Eastern Time, Eastern Daylight Savings Time, not Standard Time. But you know what I mean. So yeah, that that time is for Eastern Time. So. Of course, with this new chapter launching, there is a new intro if you make a new character. So it shows the chapter's new tutorial, which is going to be cool. Um, who knows, maybe I'll make a new character for that. Ch you know, with the way this is, I'll probably have to watch it on a replay on their Twitch channel because these always seem to happen when I'm at work. But it is what it is. Also, this week is ESO's 7th birthday. So there's the Anniversary Jubilee event. So this, this is always a good event. I, you know, they'll give you cake and things like that, but... The biggest thing is all of the experience bonus that comes with that, the experience bonus points. It's a 100% XP boost. So, and it comes from everything, coming from daily crafting writs, daily delves, world bosses, daily alliance war and battleground quests, daily, it mentioned daily dungeons, I don't know why it mentioned daily dungeons twice. Uh, trial quests, daily heist, sacraments, um, and with this comes gift boxes, which includes crafting materials, style motif pages, furniture recipes, worm cult motif pages, also outfit style pages for the Jeffrine, J-E-P-H-R-I-N-E, Jeffrine, paladin weapon or style armors, and uh, the imperial champion weapon styles also uh, transmutation crystals but there's more they said it's too much or too many to list here so there you go i'm definitely looking forward to that i remember the jubilee event last year i was playing on pc mainly i was loving those boxes that i would get from doing the crafting writs because i make it a point to do the crafting writs as much as I can, uh, sometimes I'm missing some things, and alchemy ingredients aren't always the easiest to find. 
but we'll get into that. I'm going to talk about my gameplay here in a minute. And the last thing, as far as things that stood out in the news to me, is Doom 3 has been giving a VR release that is out now. And uh, I've got limited experience with VR. I had a Microsoft store fairly close to where I lived, and I did this trial with VR there. They give you a limited amount of time, and you go through three different games. One of them is kind of like Microsoft Paint, but in VR, if you can imagine that. You basically paint the world around you, and it was fun. Uh, it's kind of cool. And then there is this kind of castle defense game that you could play. So basically, you use the VR controllers as a bow and arrow, and you, you're standing on a wall and just shooting people down below you. And you can, when you kill somebody with a shot from your bow, these little balloons will pop out, and you shoot the balloons for more health. I don't know what it was called, but it was kind of cool. And then the last thing that they showed in the demo was this you're on the deck of a sunken ship and all these fish are swimming around you and you can actually walk to the side of the boat and ship whatever and look down and just see the seafloor below and while you're standing there this giant whale swims right past your head it was really cool but I did play one other thing in VR. I went to a friend's house one time and they had a PlayStation VR and I got to play Skyrim in VR for a little bit. I played the intro, you know, from the very beginning when you're on the, the wagon cart thing and, uh, you know, <laughs> you're finally awake. So I played from that point up until, you know, through that whole dungeon, then, you know, Alduin comes down and attacks everybody, you know, and Helgen, through that entire dungeon that you go through, up until you get to Riverwood. So I'm at, you know, Alvor's blacksmith forge. And it turns out he's a few inches taller than me. I had no idea. But, of course, you know, when you get out of the dungeon, you know, Alduin flies overhead. It was really cool. And I can imagine going through a dungeon and having Draugr attack you. That'd be pretty intense, to say the least. But I don't know if I could, if I really wanted to play Doom in VR. That would scare the shit out of me. And I know that Doom 2016 is on VR. I don't know if I can handle that in VR. I can barely, you know, I. Those games are fucking hard to begin with, but having demons appear out of nowhere and attack you, I don't know if I could handle that. But if you would like to, Doom 3 and Doom 2016 are both in VR along with Fallout 4. I've watched streams. Uh, Firewriter was streaming Fallout 4 every Tuesday there for a while. And yeah, see, you know, just the ghouls appear you know appearing up behind you you know things like that that was i mean that but and then the death claws but having demons bum rush you like i don't know if i could handle that anyway that's it as far as news now let's get into my gameplay
First off, I'm going to mention Skyrim. So I got some more mods with Skyrim. Um, one in particular stood out to me. Well, there's a couple. You know, I've got some map modifiers to make it a little bit cooler looking, uh, to say the least. But I wanted some player house mods because, I, I mean, I love the houses that you can build with Hearthfire or Hearthfire, however you pronounce that. I say Hearthfire, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong if I am. But one in particular is called Treasure at Riverwood Manor or Treasure of Riverwood Manor. So not only is it a house, but it's also this whole quest line that adds a ton of stuff to the game, including loading screens. Some of these loading screens threw me off a little bit because they're screenshots of the house and areas around the house. And the first time I saw one, it happened to be the room that I was in from the point of view that I had. So I'm like, what the hell is going on here? But yeah, it's really cool. It adds this whole quest line and a lot of winding tunnels underneath the house itself. And you're just going around looking at clues and nothing is as it seems. There's houses, there's a cursed house in this tunnel system. But not only that, but there's followers that you can recruit around the house, including this like wraith. And it also adds standing stones that could either give you a dragon soul uh, once a day, but also you use these dragon souls at other standing stones to either give you wealth, you know, like 10,000 gold per day or something like that, or perk points, things like that. I mean, it's kind of cheap, but again, you can only do it once a day, so you're not spamming it. Also, there's a chicken coop with talking chicken merchants, which is really funny, and those are voiced, by the way. I think they just kind of sped up regular merchant talk, but it still, it, the concept is really funny. But, yeah, there's this whole quest line where you have to follow these clues. There's a bunch of chests, and you're trying to find the chest that has the treasure in it. But it'll be like, this tre this chest does not have the treasure. Here's a clue. Go kill this enemy in this part of the you know winding tunnel, or whatever it is. But I can't say enough good things about that mod. When I first got it, I thought it was just another player house, but no. Uh, but yeah, I was just I was trying to find good player house mods because those are always fun. I remember one from when I was on PC that added this whole business that you could do. It was a mill, and you had a courier that you can send out to give deliveries, things like that. It was it was really cool. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was named, like Red Mill or. Red Water Mill or something. I can't remember. Something along those lines. I can't find it on Xbox. But yeah, I, I found a few Player House mods. I actually demonstrated a few of them on stream. Um, one of them was a little lackluster. It, I mean, it was okay, but it had all this stuff visible on the shelves and things like that, and none of it was accessible. It was just an empty shelf, according to menus screens 
but it is what it is. I mean, it's not bad. It's just kind of a tease. Um, there was another one that I got that was like Island Resort for the Dragon for Dragon Born Island Resort, something along those lines. I'm not looking at my Xbox mod screen in case you couldn't tell. But uh, yeah, I did finish Moonpath to Elsewhere again. That was a really good mod. Really well done. Can't say enough good things. The final boss is a slowed. Uh, for those of you who don't know, those basically look like Jabba the Hutts. Uh, giant magic Jabba the Hutts. Although this one, oddly enough, walked on two legs. I'm pretty sure, according to the lore, they're giant slugs. But what can you do? Um, it's a mod. Again, it's really well done. Um, I've played that on stream. I don't think I finished the mod on stream. But by the end of it, I was kind of glad that it was done. But again, it's fantastic. I'll definitely go back to it again in the future. I'll probably play uh, the Forgotten City mod pretty soon. That's another really well done mod that's gotten a lot of acclaim. Also, of course, I've been playing ESO. Mainly, I've been doing the crafting writs and just searching for alchemy ingredients because I would really like to be getting the alchemy writs done. Also, those are, like I said, kind of the hardest ones to do because not only do you have to be able to have the ingredients to craft the potion, but you also have to have a number of other things to turn in. Kind of like how with the enchantment writs, you have to have a glyph available. Not a glyph, but a runestone available like Jode or whatever, some random one, Ta. And with these alchemy writs, you have to have, like, I don't know, three wormwood or three natural waters, which I do have those now, but again, you have to be able to craft the potion. And usually once you get the first one done, they'll give you a bag or a coffer or whatever that'll have ingredients in them. And most of the time, you're able to keep continuing after you get that first one done, but that's not the case. I did get one done, and now I'm struggling again to find the ingredients. I can get all the other ones done. That's not a problem, but the alchemy one's tricky. I did do some other things, though. I think it's interesting that now, if you start a new character, you don't automatically start in Cold Harbor. The tutorial is not in Cold Harbor anymore. Even after Greymore dropped, that was the case. You wake up in Cold Harbor, and then, of course, Lyris tells you you're dead. You were a sacrificial lamb, for the lack of a better phrase, for Molag Ball, and you start out in Cold Harbor. Now that's not the case. Um, with this character, I started in Western Skyrim, and I did this dungeon. And you don't have to start the main quest immediately. The... You know, starting in Cold Harbor, the tutorial was technically part of the main quest. But this time you can play as long as you want. And then when you want to start the main quest, you find this guy. And he tells you to meet him in a certain place. And you actually watch yourself get killed. So I think that that gives the whole vestige concept a little bit more oomph. Um, you know, a little bit more power when you actually watch yourself get sacrificed. And then, of course, you wake up in Cold Harbor and do that whole thing again. But you don't start with that anymore, which I think is really kind of cool. 
Um, like I said, it gives the whole vestige concept a little bit more power behind it because it actually means something. You know exactly what the prophet is talking about. So well done development team for Bethesda or for Zenimax, I guess, because I think Zenimax technically is the one behind ESO. I mean, that's the parent company of Bethesda. Well, not anymore, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so yeah, that's been fun. So I was doing a little bit of the Ebonheart Pact quests also. And funny enough, this character has only been around for a couple of weeks now. And it's at the same level as my other Xbox character who's done a lot of the Grey Harbor, Grey Harbor, Graymore stuff. And I, I mean, I need to start doing that. I really want to finish Graymore before Blackwood drops in June. So I need to get my ass in gear with that. Maybe I'll just finish it with my other character. But yeah, my uh, European server character is now the same level as the other one in that amount of time. So that just shows you how much experience you can get from PvP. So I, yeah, I haven't really done a lot of the PvP stuff within the last couple of weeks. I've, I mean, I've gotten on voice chat with them uh, for a little bit, for a few minutes before I had to go to work. I think it's just us being in all these different parts of the world, whether it's the UK or whether it's Australia or whatever, that can kind of mess things up a little bit. But, you know, I'm sure I'll have plenty of fun, you know, coming up with these guys. Um, I did do a couple of the Dark Brotherhood quests also. There's one where you go out to Kavach. It's seen Kavach in the second era before it gets destroyed at the beginning of the events of Oblivion in the third era. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, a lot of the earlier Dark Brotherhood quests take place in Kavach where you got to go kill these people who are speaking out against the Dark Brotherhood just to make an example out of them. And, of course, I got a bounty of nearly 400, but I was able to escape before paying the bounty, and I uh, employed a trick that, or deployed a trick that I would do before where I would get to this sanctuary and then just log off so my bounty dies down and I don't have to pay it. So, yeah, I did a couple of quests with that, which is always fun. Murder and mayhem, you know. Um... The last thing with ESO that I should mention is uh, the Jester's Festival. Yeah, uh, so that's been going on. I think that ends today um, as I'm recording this, which is probably part of what the maintenance is right now. So, <laughs> like I said, this is my one of my favorite events of the year where you just go around pranking people whether it's throwing flowers in people's faces to make them cheer up a bit because they're grumpy-ass people, or going around setting off fireworks around others, or helping this guy reunite with his bride-to-be, which just happens to be a pig. Um, it's so much fun. And also, I don't know if this was around before, but there was also an Argonian that... Uh, had a quest for me with Jester's Festival and he sends you to Canarthi's Roost which with this character I'd never been there before it's this island off the coast of elsewhere and he basically has you put a loaded whoopee cushion on this general this soldier's chair before he sits down and you can't be spotted doing it but 
as you you put it down on his chair he goes and sits down in this toxic cloud well not toxic like poisoning but this nasty smelling cloud surrounds him and the funniest thing is he just plays it off he just laughs about it but that was fun i don't know like i said i don't know if that was a part of the chester's festival before i think it's technically a side quest uh, not part of the main three-part act with the jester's festival but it was a nice little addition i enjoyed that it it made me laugh so anyway yeah that's it with eso and uh i should also mention i played a bit of morrowind uh, not on stream but i did the first couple of quests with the fighters guild and then i did one of the mages guild quests so there's a quest at the beginning of the Fighters Guild. You got to go kill these rats in this woman's closet. Not closet, but yeah, I guess it is technically like this little storage area above her apartment. And it's kind of funny because that's one of the first quests in the Fighters Guild quest line with Oblivion. Also, in Morrowind, you are supposed to kill the rats. Which I did, of course. It wasn't that hard. But in Oblivion, this woman wants you to save her pet rats from this mountain lion that's killing them. She does, They just keep randomly dying, and she doesn't know why. And it's this quest that takes... It's got a few acts to it. you got to find out what's killing them, where they're coming from, why they're drawn to her house. But, yeah, with Morrowind, you know, it's her closet her storage closet is infested with rats and you gotta go kill them also there's one in her bedroom so yeah that wasn't difficult the second one you get sent to this egg mine and there's people who are poaching these eggs or the kwama or whatever and you gotta go kill them so i did that the mages guild quests the first couple of quests that you got to do are fetch quests which are always fun with a game like morrowind where you can't fast travel wherever you want to you gotta hoof it um but i was smart enough to know that this was coming because i played morrowind a few times so i collected all but like two of these flowers that you get sent to find and i think i only had like one mushroom that i had to collect that i hadn't seen before that so that was good that didn't i still had to go find stuff but at the same time i was also smart enough to mark my place in the basement of the mages guild so i all I had to do was use the recall spell, but again, with the mechanics of Morrowind, it took me a few tries to get the mark spell to even work. Um, this next quest that you get sent on, you've got to go to Caldera, which is kind of a neighboring town from Balmora, and you've got to kill these bandits that are holed up in a cave. And I'm trying to give myself a little bit of an advantage because there's like four of them. And so basically you have to kill them one by one. You have to keep damaging them, leave the mine, heal, go back in, try and pick off that same person. Leave, heal, repeat, you know. I was trying to give myself a little bit of an advantage and enchant my sword because you can enchant things whenever you want to as long as you have a filled soul gem. And I actually stole a couple of really good soul gems from this merchant in that's a part of the Mage's Guild in Balmora. 
It was like a grand soul gym filled with a, I can't remember what, like a winged twilight. And But uh, my skill level with enchantment is only 20 at the moment. So I don't know if it's possible. I'm going to keep trying. Hopefully it'll let me. But yeah, that's one of the nice things about Morrowind. And I mentioned this in the listener suggestion episode that is uh, you can basically enchant things whenever you want to. You don't have to be at an altar of enchanting like you do in the subsequent games. Um, also, I don't, I don't, maybe I can craft a spell also. You can also make your own spells whenever you want to, which is really cool. As long as you know the spells, you're able to do that. Anyway, that's where I left off with Morrowind. The main quest basically has you... You're going undercover to investigate this legend, this prophecy that the Dunmer people have about the Nerevar, or Endoral Nerevar, or the Nerevarine, the reincarnation of the Nerevar. And he's like, oh, just go, you know, be a professional, you know, adventurer. Just go be a part of these guilds and do some other stuff, make a name for yourself. So that's what I'm doing, and eventually he'll give me another quest to go meet some other people. So that's where I'm at with Morrowind, and let's take a break, and you will hear from Anchor, well, me promoting Anchor, and then we will talk Stendar. Stay tuned. guys welcome back after that short break so we are going to talk stendar and as always this information comes from the unofficial elder scrolls page the uesp and like the other divines there is a quote from the pocket guide to the empire third edition says come to me stendar for without you i might be deaf to the man swarm murmurings of thy people and forgetting their need for comfort and wisdom, I might indulge myself in vain scribblings. So uh, that there's a lot there. Um, anyway, so Stendar was originally worshipped as Stun, the god of ransom, shield thane of Shore, which is Lorcan, but later developed into the current form of worship as the deity of compassion and sometimes righteous rule. He is worshipped throughout Tamriel and considered part of the Imperial, Breton, Altmer, Bosmer, and Khajiit pantheons. So, if you're not familiar with Stendar, it is kind of interesting how people in the game, NPCs in the game, will mention divines from time to time, like Stendar's mercy and <laughs> things like that, or pray to Stendar while you can things like that so but you do hear him mentioned by npcs in the game uh, stentos mercy upon you things like that so it just kind of helps with the immersion of these games like you know that these npcs quote unquote believe in these divines unless you're talking about lc god hater who i've mentioned is in oblivion she obviously well i mean i think she believes in the gods or did believe um, you kill her at one point if she if you enter that tavern or inn that she's in in Skingrad in Oblivion. She's a part of the Mythic Dawn, so what can you do? Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think she did believe in the gods. She just hated them because in her mind they didn't do anything, which also is kind of a really 
it's a little bit of a subplot point in Oblivion that, yeah, the gods might, the divines might not be as, um, I don't know what the word is, invasive? I don't know, that doesn't sound right, but you know what I'm trying to say, in the lives of the people on Nern, but they did show up physically, at least Akatosh did make it a point to interfere and take on Mehrunes Dagon on in Mundus, on Nern. Like he does appear physically on Nern in the battle at the end of the game. So you know, take for that what you will. Anyway, let's talk about how Stendar is worshipped in the different provinces of Tamriel. So let's start with Cyrodiil, since I was just talking about Cyrodiil and Oblivion. So the Imperials of the province of Cyrodiil venerate Stendar as the divine, and the divine is considered part of the Cyrodiil pantheon. A chapel of Stendar is known to have been located in Coral in the second and third eras. In the late third era, way shrines dedicated to the divine can be found throughout the countryside of the province. And a statue of Stendar was featured in the Aboratorium in the district of the Imperial City in the capital of Cyrodiil in the late second and third eras. As I mentioned, each major city, it's kind of interesting that um, there were nine major cities in Cyrodiil and each one was dedicated to a certain divine. So each major city had a had its own chapel to a specific divine, and Stendar's was in Coral. So let's talk about elsewhere. So Stendar is worshipped as Srindar, the runt <laughs> among the Khajiit of elsewhere, and is regarded as the son of Anur and Fatime, which I mentioned in the last episode. So... According to the Khajiit, Anur and Fatime acclaimed as acclaimed Shrendar, Shrendar as the god of mercy as he was the weakest child. So <laughs> I don't know why they made Stendar out to be the runt of the litter. But what 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 can you do, I guess? As the god of my Hey, don't make fun of my people's worship of Shrendar, how they do it. Um okay, well I'll I'll let that go. As God of Mercy, the Khajiit associates Shrendar with compassion, charity, and justice. A shrine of the consummate Shrendar was located in Jodwood in the Second Era until its priests were exiled for refusing to acknowledge the etiquettes, edicts proclaimed after the adoption of the Riddle Thrar Epiphany, and causing the temple to fall into ruin and become occupied by bandits. So... There you go. So let's now talk about Morrowind. So as I mentioned, the people in Morrowind didn't really deal with the Divines so much. They had their tribunal, which I will get to the tribunal probably after the Daedra. So because the tribunal definitely deserve each member of the tribunal deserves their own episode. But there are few pockets of Dunmer that do worship the divines. But yeah, the majority of the population of Morrowind do not venerate Stendar. However, in the late third era, worship of Stendar and the divines was practiced by a small minority of Dunmer out on the island of Vardenfell. 
Worship of the divine in Bardenfell in the late third era was largely confined to its non-Dunmer population who could pray at shrines operated by the imperial cult, which I did. I mentioned the imperial cult in the last episode. A missionary group which combined which combined worship of the divines and provided service for all the divines at the shrines were found at the imperial forts. A shrine to Stendar and the Divines was also located in the royal palace of Mournhold during this time, which honestly kind of surprises me that they would even acknowledge the imperial cult at the royal palace. Members of the imperial cult were said to st- serve Stendar by taking on roles of protection. Ulus Truptar, I think, Truptor, I think is how you pronounce that, a member of the imperial cult was called st- Stendar Savant. Another occult member claimed to have received visions from Stendar, guiding her to lost treasures. Following the collapse of the Tribunal Temple in 3rd Era 427, worshippers of Stendar and the Divines formed the majority of the Hualu and Vardenfeld districts. In the 2nd Era during the Alliance War, which is part of ESO, a shrine to Stendar in the name of Stun was located at the city of Mornhold. So let's talk about Skyrim now. In the fourth era, shrines to Stendar could be found throughout the province of Skyrim, in the wilderness and in urban centers such as the Temple of the Divines in Solitude, the Vigil of Stendar, a holy order found, founded after the Oblivion Crisis in third era 433, had a chapter house in Skyrim in the fourth era which was located south of the city of Dawnstar. The vigilance of Stendar followed the teachings of Stendar, provided healing services to the population of Skyrim, and engaged in combat with the abominations. The chapter house was destroyed in 4th era 201, and its occupants, including the keeper of the vigil and head of the chapter of Skyrim, were killed by the Volokar. And that's a predominant vampire clan in the province. So this is talking about some of the events of Dawnstar. Not Dawnstar, but the uh, Dawnguard. I apologize. The Holy Order also utilized a watchtower known as Stendar's Beacon during this time. A shrine dedicated to Stendar and the Divines was located at Fort Frostmouth on the island of Solstheim in the late Third Era. So, there's this also talks about worship in the Iliac Bay. So, Stendar is the patron deity of several regions in the Iliac Bay, including Alkir, which is obviously the uh, Red Guards, Alkir, Borine, I think is how you pronounce that, B-H-O-R-A-I-A-N-E, Mornoth, Phygrias, Sentaki, and Urvais, U-R-V- A-I-U-S. Some of these words, I swear to God, man. It's venerated by the Red Guards and Bretons alike. Temples dedicated to the Divine can be found throughout the Iliac Bay during the late Third Era and were administered by the Temple of Stendar, a religious organization dedicated to Stendar and his teachings, excuse me, which were offered healing, which offered healing and training to the population of the Iliac Bay. Only healers and the temples of Stendar offered their services to both worshippers and heretics. Heretics, okay. The temple of Stendar was led by a patriarch, which was allied to the benevolence of Mara, 
which happens to be a religious organization dedicated to Mara and her teachings. The Crusaders, also known as the Knights of Stendar, was a knightly order dedicated to Stendar, which protected his temples against its adversaries, such as the Citadel of Ebenarm. Stendar is considered one of the most popular divines among the Redguard Knights. That's kind of cool. Alright, let's now talk about the Somerset Isles. The sect of Harmonious Masters of Lilindril, which was a sect dedicated to the teachings of Stendar that emerged during the Second Era in the city of Lilindril. The sect abhorred violence, offered healing, and promulgated, I guess I pronounced that, knowledge of the healing spells to the general population. The veneration of Stendar is frowned upon by a minority of elves who consider the god unworthy of the worship of the children of Aldmeris because of his role as an apologist of men. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, with the way Altmer are, they consider themselves above everything else. Like, oh, we're the closest to the Aldmer that you'll find, and that makes us better than you. Even And a lot of the High Elves don't really care for man races, period. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Artanway of Lilindrol was a notable member of the sect, and he refuted criticism of the veneration of Sendar among elves in rituals of the Harmonious Masters. So let's talk a little bit about the mythology of Stendar. So according to the creation myth presented in the Anude, which I believe I mentioned in the last episode, Stendar and the Adra, which are all the divines, were born from the mingled blood of the of Anu and Padme, the good and evil primal forces, respectively, and therefore have the capacity for both good and evil in contrast to the Daedra, who were born from the blood of Padme and were only evil. Again, I don't know how much I believe of that because, I mean, how can you call Azura evil? Mayrun's Dagon and Molagbal, for sure, but I don't think you could really call Azura pure evil. I mean, Sanguine, I, we'll get into all this when we talk about the, the Daedra, so I guess I won't speak a lot about it here. The formation of Akatosh, the dragon god of time from the mingled blood of brothers Anu and Padme, facilitated the formation of Stendar and the gods as they learned the structure, to structure themselves. Cesar's song, a Cyrodiil creation myth, acclaims that the creation of Mundus to sacrifice, to the sacrifice of Stendar and the gods whose sacrifices were embodied as eponymous planets. Stendar and the gods were subsequently bound to the earth bones as a result. We haven't really mentioned the earth bones, and I may get into that into an, in another episode. Um, there's quite a bit there, but yeah, that this that's really getting deep into the lore of uh, Nern and Mundus. It is said that the divine accompanied Emperor Tiber Septim in his years in the early Third Era. The Warp in the West, also known as the Miracle of Peace in Third Era 417, is attributed to Stendar, Mara, and Akatosh. So, let's get into some of Stendar's teachings. So, there's a quote here from uh, Corbin Ragnos, uh, Ragos, 
priest of Stendar that says, those who don't believe in mercy, mercy must believe in fear. Stendar, through his priests, resolutes, and Templars, make his will known to the mortals of Tamriel, and the commandment and commands them to be kind and generous to the people of Tamriel, protect the weak, heal the sick, and give to the needy. Stendar's offer, Stendar offers mercy to all mortals and welcomes heretics, the afflicted, the hopeless, and the forgotten. The divine cherishes and protects all mortals, regardless of whether they acknowledge him or not, and he does not distinguish between worshippers and heretics. Priests of Stendar act as a conduit, and he provides guidance and assistance to mortals through them. Mortals who open their heart and soul to Stendar's mercy and seek his benevolence are healed and gained understanding of the love Stendar holds for all mortals, particularly those less fortunate. He also offers help in the form of healing, as Stendar can mend any wound, stay any disease, and soothe any broken soul. So that's the whole pray to Stendar while you can quote that I mentioned earlier. Stendar bestowed among mortals the gift of magic and the ability to employ it. So Stendar is who we have to, to thank, or who we have to thank for Magicka. That's kind of interesting. I haven't really talked about Magica itself at where it came from, but yeah, it came from Stendar. So this enables mortals who seek Stendar's wisdom, wisdom through the use of restoration magic in his name. Invocation of Stendar grants the wielder the ability to cloak themselves in a righteous aura of blessed light, which has been adapted by the priests and resolutes of Stendar to form either a piercing beam resembling a spear a form of armor or shield, or for use as a tool for healing. However, the mercy of Stendar does not extend to the enemies of mortals, who are for, referred to as abominations, and the divine considers them abhorrent and unnatural, and deserving of extermination without mercy. So, yeah, I guess his mercy only goes so far. Vinicus Imbrex, Archbishop of Coral, defines the four kinds of abominations as... Daedra, lycanthropes, the undead, and vampires, and the four abominations, which I guess is a book. Stendar is known as the divine who suffers men to read. So there's a little bit here about precepts of Stendar. So Stendar commands all mortals to make themselves vulnerable to his will and follow his precepts. And these are, never refuse aid you are capable of providing. Go among the infirm and wounded whenever you find them. Offer prayer to Stendar every day, and do not hoard wealth or indulge physically. Okay. I'm guessing a lot of people fail at that last one, or would at least like to fail at that last one. So, we do have a few hard facts here, so I'll mention Stendar's hammer first. It's a hammer rumored to have been wielded by Stendar, the god of justice. One of his other titles, the God of Righteous Might, is fitting as the hammer is very heavy and it's made of ebony and sapphire. The weapon is enchanted to drain or damage health to those who it strikes at the cost of the wielder's stamina. Well, of course, wielding a big-ass hammer, of course, is going to drain your stamina. So, this is found in a few different games. It shows up in the ESO, not ESO, but the uh, Morrowind 
DLC tribunal. So that I've uh, honestly I've never encountered it in Morrowind, um, surprisingly. But I haven't. I have played a little bit of Tribunal, but there's one particular NPC whose luck is out the roof who kind of made me stop playing. Um, so it does appear in Morrowind and. The Tribunal DLC, as I just mentioned, it appears in the Skyrim Creation Club. So I guess it doesn't appear in the main game, but it does appear as a Creation Club purchase. It shows up in ESO. It shows up in Elder Scrolls Legends, which is the card game, the free-to-play card game. I actually might check that out again. I have never been a big card game player, but uh, I've. It, it's basically the Elder Scrolls version of. Uh, Hearthstone but yeah uh, I've played a little bit but I need to get back into that and it also appears in Elder Scrolls Blades which again I, I do play Blades from time to time but I haven't gotten any legendary weapons which I guess this would be one of those I've only gotten a legendary chest once and uh, yeah I didn't get any legendary weapons unfortunately. So also there is uh, the Ring of Stendar's Mercy which is of course a ring but it's linked to the Amulet of Kings and Sancrator. The ring serves as a key to ward Stendar's protection to the Amulet in 2nd Era 582 which is of course uh, during the events of ESO. And it was also used by the Vestige to retrieve an amulet alongside Sai Sahan. So yeah, this is talking about ESO. So I was originally thinking that it was an Oblivion item because uh, it mentions Sankator, but I guess it's ESO. But speaking of Oblivion, there is also the Relics of the Crusader, which I've been talking about in all the other Aedra episodes. So... Stendar is attributed with the gauntlets of the Crusader. So it, they were created by Stendar in the early First Era and granted to Pelinal Whitestrake, the Divine Crusader. And they allowed him to defeat and banish Umeril the Unfeathered, an, who is an alien sorcerer king. Pelinal, despite his victory over Umeril, was slain and the Crusader's relics were scattered for lost for thousands of years. The gauntlets were later recovered by Sir Casimir, a knight of the Nine, in the early Third Era, and remained in his possession until Third Era 139. The murderer of a beggar at the hands of Sir Casimir in the chapel of Stendar and Coral in Third Era 139 led to Stendar deeming Sir Casimir unworthy of his artifacts, and the gauntlets fell to the floor where they lay until coming into the possession of the champion of Cyrodiil in 3rd era 433. So he got some infamy on his hands. So yeah, if you do anything in Oblivion 2 that gains you infamy, but yeah, the whole uh, praying at the Way Shrines quest gets rid of all your infamy. But if you gain any more infamy after you start these quests, or you start the Knights of the Nine stuff, you're unable to use any of the relics of the Crusader, whether it's the sword, you know, the gauntlets, things like that. So he got some infamy. So bad Sir Casimir. Anyway, that is it as far as uh, Stendar. There's some pictures here in the article that have to do with Stendar. There's this uh, ga uh, goblet, which is an emblem uh, representing Stendar. 
there's uh, pictures at the Temple of Stendar. Um, not sure which game it is. Is this Daggerfall? Yeah, the article attributed to the picture says Daggerfall. So there's mentions of, or there's references to Stendar and Daggerfall, which is kind of cool. Um, there's also a picture of the chapel of Stendar and Coral. There's a statue, or there's a depiction of Stendar holding the goblet that I mentioned. Uh, there's the gauntlets of the Crusader. There's a picture of those. There's the shrine to Stendar that you see in Skyrim. And there's another shrine to Stun, which uh, I guess is another name for Stendar. I'm not sure. That game is, or that picture is from Mournhold, which is um, an Elder Scrolls Online picture, obviously, because it's not uh, blocky. Uh, lots of polygons, or very few polygons, I guess. So yeah, that's an Elder Scrolls Online picture. So yeah, that's about it as far as Stendar. I would like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. Um, one thing that, there are a couple things here. So I posted a picture on Instagram and Twitter, but Instagram specifically just talking about how I'm going to be talking about the Daedra soon. Now, there are a couple more uh, Aedra or Divine episodes I'm going to do. The, ne- the next one is going to be on Zenithar. But also, I'd be remiss if I didn't do an episode on Talos, Tiber Septum. So he's going to, his episode is going to be long because I'm not only going to be talking about him as a divine, but I'm going to be talking about his life as well. And just kind of talking with the community, Tiber Septim is a very controversial character. People, a lot of people don't like Tiber Septim or, you know, just everything he did to, uh, in his life before becoming a divine. So, but you know what? Like, like I said, I'd be remiss if I didn't do an episode on Tiber Septum. So there's Xenathar, and then there's Tiber Septum, and then I'm going to get into the Daedra. But I posted a picture on Instagram, uh, at Tim Rail Adventures on Instagram and Twitter, that showed a picture of the Daedra, and I was kind of hyping up the fact that I'm going to be covering the data soon and holy shit man I got about 350 likes on Instagram I was getting notifications for like two or three days straight just like 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 comment comment like I got the most response of anything I've ever posted so you guys really loved your Daedra um (laughs) it's funny some people said that Moloch Ball was their favorite which is uh, kind of surprising to me. And I mentioned that if there are very few instances where I am glad that I don't live on Nern, but that is one of them. Moag Ball, if you were real, would scare the ever-living shit out of me. But, yeah, um, you guys love your Daedra, so I'm really excited to get into that. I know you guys are really looking forward to that. Also, I got my first support from a listener. Um, this person said that I, they don't want me to call them out by name. But you know who you are, and thank you very much. So I turned on listener support for this podcast on the Anchor page, but I never really expected anything from it. 
but um yeah i got my first support from the listener so you are amazing you know who you are thank you very much and um they said that they just wanted to do something nice for me so that that really means a lot so thank you very much and if you would like to support me as this person did yeah like i said you could go to the anchor page and there's a way to do that i don't know off the top of my head how to do it but yeah if you'd like to do that you're more than welcome to you don't have to but um yeah i i'd really appreciate it but that also brings to mind a question of whether or not you guys would like for me to set up a patreon I wasn't really keen on doing a Patreon for this show because I I did one for Nintendo. There, I mean, technically it's still up and running, but we didn't really get any um, subscribers on Patreon with Nintendo. So I just figured, you know, whatever. I'm not going to really worry about it with this one. But with the way this show has grown, maybe that would be something you guys would be interested in. So if you would be interested in that, just hit me up on Discord, hit me up on social media, whatever, and let me know um, if you would like to, number one, but also what kind of rewards you would like for the specific tiers. So um, depending on you guys' response, I may or may not set up a Patreon. So yeah, um, pretty cool. So also... I think I'd mentioned in the last episode that I had been thinking about merch a little bit. Um, who knows? May, maybe I'll do that. Maybe not. But I always said that if I released some shirts or whatever, one of the first ones that I would ever put out would be how to say my screen name phonetically, Sulior, because nobody can figure out how the hell to pronounce Sulior. So, um, yeah, if that's also something that you're interested in, let me know. Hit me up on social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, Tamrielic Adventures uh, for Instagram, Tamrielic P with Twitter. Um, my personal pages are iangold08 on Twitter and Instagram. Like I said, I'd like to thank The Hive for sponsoring this show. Um, also, go check out my other shows. Uh, Nintendo, we're currently going through a series on The Legend of Zelda. I just put out an episode on Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Uh, next episode is going to be on The Link to the Past. And also Tapes from the Wastes. So that is a show that I do with fellow Hive member KDB. And he is putting the finishing touches on an episode on the Enclave. So that's very exciting. You either, surprisingly, it's kind of like the Thalmor of the Elder Scrolls world where a lot of people hate them. They're supposed to be the antagonists, but they definitely have their supporters. <laughs> I've come across quite a few supporters for the Enclave, believe it or not. So look for that when that drops. So yeah, also another way to support the show is by leaving a rating and review on apple podcasts it only takes a few seconds to do literally you just type a few sentences um rate me what you think i would appreciate five stars but if you don't think this show deserves that i'm not going to say lie but i would definitely appreciate a rating and review on apple podcasts it helps with the algorithm algorithm whatever however that works on getting eyes and ears on this show so 
Um, and I will also shout you out on the show if you do that. I've gotten three reviews so far. So, and the last one, it's it's been quite a few months. So definitely, definitely help me out in that capacity. So as I mentioned, the next episode is going to be on Zenithar. So until then, stay safe, adventurers. Adventures.